0: Hi guys and welcome back to another episode of Motor Up Sports. Sorry for missing the episode yesterday. Um I had two exams today, so really need to focus on that. Watched the Pistons last night, pretty much most of the game. So I want to just lead off with that. I think you guys are overreacting. I think you guys set your expectations too high. And I'm not upset because I said it in previous episodes this team was gonna suck to start the season. Did I think Cade will come out of the gates the way he did? That was the last thing I expected out of him. But for you guys to go on Twitter, comment on Ashton's page, comment at his family, talk to his camp. What what are you guys doing? This is the franchise player. I get it. The honeymoon phase is over. But this guy has literally sold his soul for Detroit so far. He's done everything right. Cade Cunningham will be fine. I just hope this is like a 10-game stretch and hopefully ended last night, but hopefully it's just a small little blimp in the road for him to be one of the best second-year players in the league. I don't want this to come out until game 25, and you're like, whoa, he's still horrible. And then at the end of the year, he heats up, but he never lived up to his year two expectations. So that's where I'm at with Kate. You guys can't go on there and bash him. You can't talk to Ash. You can't tweet at his family. That's out of hand. You guys are weirdos. And this fan base, he does this. I don't blame him if he leaves, if this continues to happen. You guys are a bunch of Fairweather fans who, when the team's doing well, you guys show up to the arena. But when the team's bad, nobody cares. I get it. This is exciting. I get that this team will be really good in a few years. For you guys to sit here and think that because of five regular season games, in year three of a rebuild that this team is not performing the way that you thought, because you thought this team was going to be playing for a play in a rebuild. I said, they'd be lucky to play for a plan. They are not ready for that. When you roll out a lineup full of 18, 19, 20 year olds, and it's basically your entire roster right now, you have two vets that play. And it's not enough to win games. The Knicks, that's a game that I knew they were going to lose because you're playing a team full of, 5th, 6th, 7th, year players. This team will be fine. This rebuild will be fine. I am confident we will be fine. This was exactly the way I expect them to play to start of the year. I'm not pressing a panic button. And you guys shouldn't be either. I think it's kind of ridiculous after even last night, go insane about another loss. They're 1-4. They have a game again against the Hawks on Friday. We'll see if they can make it right on Friday. But... They were in that game last night, and, the, and this is where I'm going to move in the Dwayne Case. I said, I'm not ready to make a decision on him until after the season. I'm still at that stage because he's a mediocre coach. The guy's not a good coach. The guy's not a bad coach. But there's nobody on this market right now where I look at him like, this is the guy I want to replace Dwayne Case. It's not the worst thing in the world to have him as a coach. You could have Steve Nash as a coach right now, and that's a ton worse. You could have Doc Rivers as a coach right now. That would be worse. Be grateful you don't have those guys as coaches. But at the same time, you and I all know that this guy will never win a championship in Detroit. So here's the way I look at it right now. He's been coaching like shit this year. And it's very evident. Players have taken a step back. The young talent has been really, really fun and exciting so far. And that's been really impressive. His rotations are garbage. Kevin Knox, Killian Hayes, and Corey Joseph should not be on the floor in the fourth quarter at any time. That's how we lose games. And at the end of the day, if you're going to replace Casey, it can't be a college coach because those never work out in the NBA unless your name is Brad Stevens. It doesn't work. And I have no interest in bringing in a former player. That's not a coach right now. That's good. And one of my boys and I were talking about it. Chauncey Billups was the name I actually mentioned to him. Uh, potential replacement for Casey. You made a good point. If Chauncey takes this job, it literally becomes Joe Dumars 2.0 if he doesn't succeed. You can't let that happen. And I don't blame him for saying that. But I think if the job offer for Chauncey was on the table, he would take the job. From what i been hearing from Portland fans on Twitter, and obviously, like, I don't know anything about watching Trailblazer games every night. I'm going to tune in a little bit this year because I do have a feeling that Chauncey could be the guy that replaces him. What I've been reading about Portland is Chauncey's became a much better coach this year. He's 10 times better than he was last year. That gives me confidence that maybe they can bring him in. But do I want him to come in? Probably not. I, I, I think if he's your number one option on the market, go for it. Go for it. But right now, I want to see what happens in the offseason. I want to be patient to wait on a coach. I want to wait on a coach that has titles and that can win you titles. That's the thing with Casey right now. I don't have an issue with him, really, as a coach. They're going to lose games this year. And I have a weird theory because Corey coming in that game last night and, like, literally playing all the bums to start the – and the third and start the fourth. I honestly think, because the NBA said they're going to go against tanking this year, even though a lot of teams are doing it. I think the Pistons are tanking, but not doing it in a way that they're showing the league that they're tanking. I don't know if that makes sense to you guys. I feel like we're losing games on purpose right now with some of the rotations that are coming into the game. Because I don't think Casey's that stupid. I can rotate better than Casey. I think they're losing games from Wemby. That's my conspiracy theory on this team. What has really impressed me so far is Boyan Bogdanovich. Bogey has been probably the best addition the Pistons have had in years. He needs to get extended. Unless you get a grandfather offer. Like, if you can get two number ones from him, I would pull the trigger, but they have to be unprotected. There has to be a grandfather offer for him. If not, you extend him three or four years. Somebody said this, and I actually agree with them. He will be fine once he hits 36, 37 years old because he doesn't play off athleticism. He plays off of IQ and shooting. He'll be able to do that at 37 years old. So I'm perfectly fine extending him a couple seasons and see what he can do down the road. Because without him right now, the Pistons are losing games by 20, 30 points. Which leads me to believe like this offseason, the defense of this team's atrocious. You have to make an offer at Draymond. You have to. You need another defender on this team. They ain't getting any done right now. I think the mistakes they're making are rookie mistakes and second-year player mistakes. Some of those turnovers from Cade last night were, you know, young player mistakes. I'm gonna move into some of my takeaways from last night. Bogey is him. You need him on the floor at pretty much any second of the game because he's I think he's the number one option on this team. I think he's much better than Jeremy Grant was. I think he's much better than Christian Wood was. Where with Jeremy Grant, Christian Wood was like, just get him out of my organization and get picked for them. With Bogey, it's like, let's keep him here. Let's try to win some titles with him on my roster. That's where I was like last night with Bogey, he's really impressed me so far. He's the first priority, in my in my opinion, this offseason. My second takeaway from last night, is Cade is much better with Ivy in terms of cleanness of the basketball. Last night, yeah, Cade went on a scoring ramp, babe. And it was awesome. But seven turnovers to six assists shows that Ivy's impact on the floor makes him a better facilitator. And I'm not concerned about the turnovers. I think he had doubled the turnovers last night than he did all season. Am I concerned about it? Hell no. I know what Cade Cunningham is, and I know what Cade Cunningham is going to be. Kate Cunningham is going to be a superstar. Kate Cunningham is going to be the face of Detroit. If not already, he's the face of Detroit. Last night, the turnovers, whatever. Fine. You turned it over seven times in a game, you didn't have your point card. And that you were trying to score every play. I don't have an issue with that. And he showed he can still score last night. So I don't know what is freaking out about still. The third takeaway I had from last night, and I just said it was about Casey and Sadiq. Look, this was from the night before, what Casey said. And it really pissed me off. They asked him about Sadiq Bey taking very little shots in that game. He said the game after the Wizards, I quote, basically, Sadiq's fault, you have to ask him why he didn't take shots. He has the green light. It was basically basically like pretty much what he said. And this is what gets me angry about it. All he had to say if you're enjoying Casey is, he didn't get the looks tonight. It's all he had to say. Leave it at that. Nobody, nobody follows up a question on that. But you threw the guy on the bus. You threw a third-year player who might be part of the future of the franchise. I'm not sure yet. It's leading me to believe that you're going to upgrade City Bay at some point because he's very upgradable. But this is a guy who's potentially a cornerstone of your franchise and you're throwing him on the bus? What what the hell? And, And the last thing I'll say, and I said it after the Wizards game, was Killian Hayes will probably benefit by playing in the G League right now. Played okay last night. The stats show he played bad. He actually played a decent game, if you watched. He needs to figure out that offense, man, because, my God, it's painful. You can't last in the NBA with the offense you had. You, you might be playing for the Shanghai Sharks next year because I don't know if he's ever going to be an NBA player. Next year's contract, he needs $7 million. Who the hell is going to pay him $7 million? I swear, if the Pistons write him a check for $7 million, I will boycott this fucking franchise. He's horrible. He should go to the G League. Really. Last night, I was like, okay, he actually played a decent game. He hit a three. Took him like 25 games, hit a three in the regular season. But hey, he did it. He will never be good. I don't get how he's just been such a bum. When he came into the draft, they said he didn't have a right hand. You're in year three, you still don't have a right hand. How are you going to last in the NBA without a right hand? Seriously, you can't last in the NBA like that, but you're a good defender. Okay. You're not as good of a defender as Andre Roberson and Tony Allen to last in the NBA. And you're sure as hell not good offensively. to even last in the league. I don't think we'll see Killian Hayes name in the NBA next year, unless he turns this around and I don't see it coming. I've never seen it coming with him. I've always thought the guy sucked. And I think most of the fan base has gotten to that point where it's like, well, the offense is never going to come around and defensively hasn't gotten much better. So what's, what's up? What's up with this? You, you got to figure something out. Benefiting from the G league would be great for him because he's going to be playing against guys that are literally as good as him. And hopefully he starts turning up like Saban Lee was doing down there, build up the confidence, he comes back to the NBA and they start pulling him back in the rotation and maybe he's playing good basketball. Last night, they should have kept him on the And I honestly think he should have been on over Corey. That was fucking horrible last night. He's just been brutal. He's been brutal to watch all year. He was brutal to watch last year. He's brutal to watch his rookie year. I don't see it. I don't see the guy ever being a real player in the league. But moving into the next topic of the day, Sheila Hamford was actually addressed the press about the current Campbell situation. I'll say this. She's doing the bare minimum, something her parents never did. You guys shouldn't be complimenting somebody for doing the bare minimum. I'm sorry. You can say, oh, well, she's better than her father and mother because she's doing it mid I don't care. That's the bare minimum. The bare minimum. At least she's pretending to care, which is what I'll say. If she really cared, we wouldn't be hearing patience, patience, patience. We would have heard Campbell fucking sucks. We're going to fire him, and we're going to find a new coach next year that knows what the fuck he's doing. But no. She stepped in front of the media and said, patience. I'm done with this patience. Like, you are talking just like your parents. Be patient. They're going to be 1-7 after they lose the Green Bay. I don't understand how you can sit there and say, well, this team's getting better. We need to be patient. They're no better than they were last year. Yeah, I mean, some of the rookies are coming in, second-year players have been hurt, are coming in playing good football. But let's be real. How long are these guys going to be on the field? They're never healthy. They're never healthy. Sheila needs to fire Campbell. I'm at that point. The guy's a moron. The guy has no idea what he's doing. Maybe, and if he loses this week, I'm curious if he loses the locker room now that you're 1-6, and you've basically put the team in a position to lose almost every single game this year. If I'm a player, I think the guy's the biggest clown in the world. I'm a fan. I think the guy's the biggest clown in the world. He's never going to win here. I'm sorry, Sheila. Thanks for doing the bare minimum, doing something your parents never did. But that's not something this fan base should be complimenting her for. Because if this team was 4-2 right now, we wouldn't have her in front of the media talking about this. I get it. Hard knock to set my expectations super high. They should have stayed as low as I have with the Pistons' expectations. And I really should have st- stepped in and said that. But watching the Lions every Sunday and seeing them just lose games because of coaching, because one day the offense shows up and the defense doesn't, and then the next day the defense shows up and the offense doesn't. I don't care about injuries. I don't care about all that. You drafted a bunch of hurt players because you want to be, what, patient? Come on, man. Passion looked look great. Say whatever you want about the stat sheet. Who cares? The guy was putting pressure on the quarterback. He was getting past the, past the old lineman every time. Paschal was great. And Paschal looked great next to Hutchinson and made Hutchinson look good. But at the end of the day, patience, 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 I'm over it. I'm over it. I've heard it my entire life. This is no different than her parents, but at least she's doing the bare minimum and pretending to care by going in the locker room and addressing the media midseason because the team sucks. That's not something that should be complimented. You guys are pathetic. This fan base is pathetic. All you guys want is the bare fucking minimum. And the bare minimum is make the playoffs and win a playoff game. Come on. Come on, guys. I know we're the most sorry franchise in all sports. But the problem is when you have an owner that wants the bare minimum, the fans are going to want the bare minimum as well. That's the issue right now. I think that if Sheila wants to show she cares, you fix it this off season, you spend a fuck ton of money on it, free agents and trades. That's the only way I'm going to sit there and say, okay, Sheila, at least you're not your parents right now. That's it. She needs to spend money for me to say, okay, you're not your parents. I want to move into the Michigan, Michigan state talk. <laughs> yeah. We all know what's going to happen Saturday. But I do think it will be a close game for a couple quarters. Two or three quarters, I think it will be a ball game. Michigan will pull ahead in the fourth and win by like two or three touchdowns. I don't think the spread gets covered. I think that's a lot of points for a rivalry game. Records go out of the window for this game. I think this game really turns out to be who wants it more. Because when Michigan State wants it more, they always win that game. You know, Tucker's two and all against... Michigan, and I ain't sitting here saying Michigan State's winning. I'm giving them a 7% chance of winning that game. But Tucker is 2 0 against Michigan. And honestly, that first year playing like 28 and a half point under I don't remember the spread, but it was like 28 and a half at some point. And they won that game shows that, you know, record doesn't mean anything with football when it comes to a rivalry game like this. I'm sick of like Braylon Evers here and talking off his ass. All these Michigan, Scott Bell's talking out his ass every single week. Look, I would love for this game to go Michigan State win and everybody shuts up. Because you, you have nothing to fucking say if you're a Michigan fan and you lose this game this year. Last year, you can sit there and be like, okay, we lost the game, but we still made the playoffs. Michigan loses this game, there's no shot to get to the playoffs with the schedule they've played. Your biggest win is going to be Penn State. Only way you get in is if you beat Ohio State. If you can't beat Michigan State, you're not beating Ohio State this year. I think that it's kind of to the point where it's like, if State just shows up in this game and shows they have a little bit of fight in them, I'll kind of walk out of it like, okay, at least they show they have fight. Because this group really hasn't shown they've had fight all year. I'm going to preview it a lot tomorrow in depth. That's pretty much the focus of tomorrow's episode. Pistons, Michigan Michigan State Lions. Pretty much the same as today. But the emphasis today was more on the Pistons because this was a makeup for Wednesday's episode, and I wanted to talk. I really wanted to hop on and talk sports today because I'm really amped up and excited about sports this entire week, and this game is I'm really excited for. If State somehow wins this game, I don't think there will be a city of East Lansing on Monday, or shit, even on there won't be a city on Sunday. This city will be on fire. And I really hope it is because this is my last potential Cedar Village experience. The Basketball team isn't going to do shit this year, which leaves us one last experience of Cedar Village potential for me. Just give me a fucking win. You win this game, this entire season goes away. Not for me, but for the rest of this fan base. You know, they beat Michigan. That's the only thing that matters to them. So they win this game, everything goes away. I just hope that, God, this is somewhat close. Because if we lose this game like 56-0 blowout fashion, my God. I mean, I don't even know what I'm going to come on and say on Monday. Keep it close, man. That's all I want. Moving on to my last topic of the day, Scott Harris has pretty much cleared the house out for the Tigers. I really like what he's doing. We've had the same idiots running this organization since '02 when Nebraska took over. The same stupid scouts. You have the shittiest assistant GM in, in baseball. Look, He got rid of all of it. Good. The step in the right direction for me. This is a huge step in the right direction. I wish the Fords would say, fuck it. We're going to clear the house. We're going to get rid of every single idiot in this organization, which they should have done 60 years ago. And they still have the same idiots running that organization. That's besides the point. Scott Harris is doing it the right way. This is still the honeymoon phase. I'm buying into what he's doing so far because he's making the right moves with the organization, firing scouts, bringing in guys from the Rays organization to be your head scouts. Beautiful. That's what I wanted. I said, you got to bring in guys from the Rays. And they did that. They're bringing guys in from teams that actually had successfully done a rebuild and have scouted correctly. I'm glad that when he came into that press conference, he said, okay, we're going to assess the situation and we're going to go from there. I'm not making any decisions today. He's assessed the situation. He's taken all the bad meat and he's rolling out of the organization. Great. This is all I wanted. At least for me, I have a clearer head now of like, okay, maybe this guy will potentially win something here. It's a breath of fresh air. I'm not sitting here. I'm saying, okay, this guy is going to win your World Series. I want to see what he does this offseason. But what he's doing right now is substantially better than anything Avila did in seven years. At least he shows that he has a plan and shows that he wants to win. Avila never had a plan. I never felt like he wanted to win. So good job, Scott Harris. I'm really happy about that. I'll be back again tomorrow, previewing Michigan, Michigan State. I'm going to definitely lead off with that tomorrow. Pistons talk. We're going to preview the game Friday against the Hawks. And we're going to preview Sunday's game against the Warriors. We all know what's going to happen against the Warriors, but Lions talk to previewing the Dolphins blowout loss that's coming. So, see you guys again tomorrow.